This show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. For more information, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. And thank you for listening. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe require some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at saythiscast, and go to saythiscast.com to hear previous episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Chaotic Good Podcast. I shouldn't have to say this. Nothing is going on in the world right now, and so we're going to talk about cartoons today. It's very boring. Um, yeah, it's very boring right now. The news. Anyways, <laughs> we are ranking progressive <laughs> cartoons. This is the second part of a two-part little episode thingamabob. You can go watch the or go listen to the first one. It was a good time <laughs> to go over the cartoons that we talked about last time. We talked about Shira, which is an S-tier show, the highest tier. Joined by Avatar, we talked about Kipo, which is a solid B tier, and we talked about Dragon Prince, which, um, D in the first couple of seasons, but rising slightly, but yeah. not to the point where I'm going to put it higher on the tier list. For people that don't know what a tier list is, we rank each thing from the, from S, which means what did, why did they choose S? Like super, super special. Super special. Then A, B, C, and D, as as per usual. This is a this is a mostly a gaming thing. So S tier is perfection. A tier is very, very good. B tier is good. C tier is eh. And D tier is it, it's watchable. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, nothing is terrible on this list, I would say. No. Nothing is terrible. All the cartoons that we're talking about are very watchable and they're a good diversion. You can put your kids in front of all of them if you have any. Then so don't worry about that. I actually would not put your kids in front of some of these. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like the first cartoon that we can talk about this time, uh, Adventure Time. Oh, and before we get into that, you'll notice that we didn't have a story in the in the front of this or fuck you that's the reason why <laughs> that's right all all because it's very boring also this entire episode is things that make us happy so we usually have that at the second half of the episode this entire episode is stuff that we absolutely love we both love cartoons yeah we like so. to talk about cartoons and also fuck you no story for you no story for three episodes in a row <laughs> fuck y'all Anyways, continuing on. <laughs> Jesus. All right, so we were going to talk. So you were saying that Adventure Time, you, you shouldn't put the kids in front of? I wouldn't. Really? Yeah, Adventure Time is a pretty terrifying show. To me, at least. Like, there are a lot of reaction gifts that exist from the show and also just clips from the show that are pretty fucking in a word creepy there's like the deer that takes off his hooves and has fingers and then wiggles them just <laughs> various weird clips that more so than just being kind of like scary they're just unsettling in a way that i'm not sure that if they'd be 
great for most children. Also, Finn, the protagonist, is a fuckboy. <laughs> <laughs> and the show doesn't say this is a good thing about him, but if I were a young boy watching Finn can kind you, of... Can you define a fuckboy for people that don't know what a fuckboy is? Uh, a fuckboy is a shiftless young man, or I guess stuff. <laughs> who messes around with people's hearts, is indecisive, things of that nature. Just kind of an all-around piece-of-shit dude. Like, just a, like a ragamuffin type. Like a bro? Mm, it's similar to a bro. Um, Would Finn be in a frat? No. Okay. <laughs> he is too weird. He just ping-pongs around girls for like the entirety uh. of the show in a way that is not to me good or interesting just to put your kid in front of it you would definitely want to watch it with them also just speaking as the person that i was remembering the child that i was there are a lot of creepier moments that just would give me nightmares <laughs> plain and simple i would say that creepy in cartoons I mean, I I grew up watching Ren and Stimpy, mm -hmm. which I'm I'm absolutely sure is ten times creepier than than anything the Steven Universe put. I mean, I've been creeped out by a few things in SpongeBob. Yeah, I think the your main point about watching it with them because there's a lot of stuff like him being a fuckboy apparently <laughs> that requires context. And really, any of these shows, it's good to watch cartoons with your kids. It's yeah. incredibly good because if they have any questions, then they don't have to seek you out. You can just say, this is what this means. I also think that Adventure Time wasn't made for the younger set of kids. Like, no, four no. through probably ten. Yeah, yeah. I'd let preteens and teens watch it. That's what I mean by don't put your kids in front of it because oh. the material is too weird. I also watched a little bit of Ren and Stimpy. Like it was on for a little while during the time that I was really young. You're just going to keep, you're just going to hammer on that. I was, fi <laughs> I was fine. But cow and chicken, Oof. cat dog. There were a lot of really like weird fucking cartoons on in the late 90s. The heyday of Cartoon Network was in Nickelodeon was messed up. And yeah. we are the result of that. So, you know, take that as a as a good or a bad thing. I don't know. You're listening to us, so you probably appreciate what those cartoons did to us. But <laughs> Adventure Time, what else did you want to say about it? I mean, like, just that he's a fuckboy or like... He's a fuckboy. They're in a world where he's the only human being, pretty much. All the rest of the characters are non-human or humanoid alien. The storyline is non-existent, pretty much. So, like a few of the cartoons that are on our list, most similar to, I think, maybe Steven Universe, which we'll talk about shortly, it doesn't seem like Adventure Time started as a show that was going to have a through line, there are a lot of characters that come up 
again and again and again and there is kind of an overarching storyline and lore but it doesn't hang together super well and if you're watching it for that through line you're gonna go through a lot of episodes without watching anything happen or maybe an entire season goes by and the first episode and the last episode have something even kind of related to the plot yeah i find that super frustrating Adventure Time is a show that I watched as a kid, but got bored of it and then returned to it a little bit. But it wasn't something that I loved watching, which is why I place it in the C tier. It's good. It's funny. I love all of the characters and the world more than anything that actually happens in the show. Except Princess Bubblegum and Marceline kissing which is cute. After Finn jerks both of them around for like several seasons, they just get together and be gay. So <laughs> there's that. That's, that's why it's why not it's on the list. <laughs> that's why it's not D. <laughs> so also Bimo. Is it so like cute. the No, that's not right. <laughs> I was gonna say like the gay or something is the higher on the tier list it is. No. But there are some uh, not gay things. Not gay. Not gay things. It sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender isn't gay. Not at all. Not there's at all. No, it's pretty, no it's pretty heterosexual. And Kipo so far doesn't really seem to have much in the way of like focusing in on sexuality at all. Mm. Like one character is gay, but it's just something about him. Which um, is nice. Which is nice. It's just- that's just who he is and they don't really dwell on it that's that's i mean that's i think that's pretty powerful yeah i just want to draw attention again to like a scene where he has a vision of his very best case scenario like a dream and he dreams of playing a music set and there are all these scantily clad boys running around and he's a boy and i thought that that was a a good (laughs) detail that's excellent yeah. Uh, did you want to go to Steven Universe next? You mentioned that. Yeah, I mentioned Steven Universe, so we can talk about Steven Universe. I fucking love Steven Universe. It has a place in my heart that would be hard to remove it. I think it started airing about six or seven years ago, and it just wrapped in 2020 or late 2019. I don't have that stuck in my head. This is pretty off the cuff, this episode. Um, (laughs) But Steven Universe is about as fun of a show as I can imagine. It is cute. There's good music. There are a lot of characters that are coded black or just straight up gay. And for as much as people like to say that everybody in the character is like, a female and that there's a bunch of gay shit going on it should be noted that gems don't have gender and so technically even though they're coded female and so i think that it's valid to say that for instance garnet is a gay relationship also none of them have sexuality i I love garnet (laughs) sexuality or gender like it's not really a concept to them and so it's one of those things where they don't have to focus on sexuality they have to focus on race and yet those come up a lot but kind of as a side thing the main point of steven universe is kind of getting over what it means to be part of a family 
getting to know the the good side and the bad side of your lineage and negotiating that. Stephen is his mother's son and has a lot to live up to. Rose Quartz was the leader in the rebellion. I am not saying spoilers. There are some massive spoilers that exist for this show, so I'm going to try to not touch into that. But basically, Rose was really fucked up as a human being, and Steven has to deal with that, and so does everybody else around him, because everybody loved his mom, but she was also kind of terrible. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Also, Steven Universe came out, uh, first episode was 2013. Oh, so I was like, (laughs) right-ish. Should we rename the podcast that? (laughs) Right-ish. No, I'm usually Nicole is kind of (laughs) right-ish. We'll have a... That'll be one of our Patreon shows. That's right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... Steven Universe takes on a lot of discussion about being part of a family your chosen family your real family uh what it means to have a complicated lineage it has a lot of problems though as a narrative it's politically sticky i would say Mm. um i don't i'm gonna like brush over things kind of generally but there is a story point where the gems technically come from a place that commits genocide of whole worlds Oh my god. Yeah, so they just destroy entire worlds and like wipe them out. And that was what was supposed to happen to the Earth until the Crystal Gems saved it. And by the end of the series, that is negotiated out and everybody involved in the genocide is redeemed. Wow. And though, like, great, we're teaching children that even if somebody in your family fucks up, you can negotiate those situations and make things good. People are redeemable. But also... From genocide, question mark. Just wow. It's it it's and it's a it's a problem because it's a mixed metaphor. They have one thing going on where they want to talk about the horrors of war and genocide in a way that you can talk about it to children. They also want to talk about family dynamics, but those things aren't necessarily interacting in the right way within the narrative. Yeah. In comparison to something like Avatar, where you have the last airbender that is you have mm-hmm. characters who are involved with the fire nation but most of them are not redeemed by the end of the story zuko is his uncle is yeah. and like the citizenry is but for those who personally engaged in the destruction of entire kingdoms ain't no coming back from that you don't just yeah. have like a good like Zuko doesn't sit down with his dad and they do like a (laughs) and they shake shake hands (laughs) and then everything is good. That doesn't happen. And that's kind of what happens in Steven Universe. And that's weird. Also, something that's weird about Steven Universe, just personally for me, the story hates the shit out of Steven's mother more than I think is good. But I thought she was the worst. Yeah, but somebody wrote her to be the worst. And mm. she's the root of all evil, pretty much, in the entire story. Like, every relationship she has with a person, she's, like, horrible to them in some sort of way. Oh. And there are a ton of characters in the show 
who could also be bad, but it all goes back to Stephen's dead mom, who was the worst always. I have no other way of saying how bad it is without major spoilers. Maybe we'll do like a spoiler cast about Steven Universe, or I can do that on my own. Because I really want to talk about how weird it is to Steven, the show is to Steven's mom. But suffice it to say, it's just kind of harsh, the fallout from her decisions personally are monumental constantly. And when I look at a writer who's prepared to make a character like the root of all evil, that to me is weird. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily even that she was part of a system. It was kind of just that she personally was the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Even though she had like a terribly abusive family situation, it's still kind of... yeah focuses in on how she was personally shitty wow that's not uncommon in the world when i see a story that does that i always have to question a little bit why on the writer's part like yeah parents suck and navigating familial situations is weird but also part of becoming an adult i think is interacting with the fact that your parents are human beings but that also means that they are not the root of all fucking evil because they mess up. They're just they're <laughs> they're just another nigga. I mean, I was just thinking, uh, comparing this to Avatar, that the the redemption arc of Zuko and Iroh mm-hmm. begin in the first season of three. They're already bad, but they seed the redemption in the beginning. So yeah. there are some shows that they go on and then they they realize that someone's the worst and then within 10 episodes at most they wrap that up because they want that person to be good again yeah so zuko and ira were never the worst yeah they They, were they did some bad shit but yeah it's like the redemption of darth vader in some way it's like the redemption of darth vader in the most recent movies wouldn't be so bad if i hadn't personally seen him slit the throats of 50 padawan you know what i mean i don't want to get on that topic but it's just sometimes a character does something so heinous that even if they were part of the evil organization that they personally shouldn't be allowed to get past that and everybody in steven universe bar none is redeemed And that, I think, is a good lesson to learn, but also does not play well with their commentary on war and cruelty and such. Yeah, that seems, yeah. That's why it's an A, because there are a lot of really nice things. But if you start interrogating some of the larger themes and seeing how they play together, there's some weirdness going on. And also... all evil can be traced down to one fucking woman and her personal decisions about what she (laughs) wanted to do and um within the story she's never redeemed and she's never given any play for what her thought process was it was always she's selfish so she did this or she did this because she didn't she wasn't thinking it was just a fit of fancy and from where i'm looking as a viewer i could see where she was coming at from a lot of the time 
And I don't think she ever did the wisest things possible, but at the same time, the story never wanted you to see things from her perspective. And I found that strange. Wow. Well, everybody else is redeemed. She remains trash till the end. <laughs> and she's dead. She's the only character that's just like dead and out of the picture and can't defend herself. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's Steven Universe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Another note about Steven Universe and the reason why it cannot be S is because the way that Steven Universe's production schedule has been like hella turbulent. Mm. They had tons of unplanned hiatuses and they never planned to have a huge storyline, it seems, and things were thrown in at the last minute and they were always wondering if they could continue the story and I think the tightness of the storytelling reflects that a lot. Right. So it's not as tight as something like She-Ra or Avatar was because they didn't go in with the ending in mind. That's something that you'll see throughout our tier list. The two shows that are at the top went to tell a story, told it, and got out. Exactly. They they planned it. They planned it really, really well. And that's something that I personally value a lot because that means that there is going to be a density of... Uh, of storytelling and a continuity to character development that doesn't exist in a show like Adventure Time or Steven Universe where that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Steven Universe, A tier. Um, what did you want to talk about next? Well, we can talk about one of your picks or we can talk about Korra. We've got... Korra, we've got Voltron, we, um, we've got Korra and, and Voltron. We got, that's what we got. We got yeah, Korra and Voltron. <laughs> and I only know about Korra, so... Uh, you want to go into that or... Um, or do Voltron first? We could do Voltron first so we can... I got a lot to say about Korra. Yeah, me too. Okay, Voltron. Voltron is another cartoon from uh, DreamWorks Animation, the same studio that brought you She-Ra. Netflix got the rights for a bunch of 80s properties, so Voltron is definitely another one of those. Really? <sighs> Man. You ever watch a show that is almost great? Like, yeah, it could it, Dragon it, it, Prince. Yeah, he said, yeah. But I mean, yeah, exactly. This one's <laughs> better than Dragon Prince, in my opinion. But it's it's more disappointing because Dragon Prince is like, yeah, it's, um, it's just Prince. a show. It's just a show. Voltron tried like it's the Olympics. Voltron is is going for the high bar and just knocks it off. <laughs> like they almost do it they almost yeah. did the landing and it was incredibly frustrating but it's eight seasons and a lot of seasons are nine ten episodes so you know but it had a lot to say about the effects of war about friendship about relationships about family like a lot you know a lot of these these are about found found family created family which is important for all kids to know, honestly. And it tried to talk about all these themes, about what heroism actually is, what it looks like, how it can take different forms and different people. Really, really great. Then the last two seasons, especially the last season, it just fell on its face. 
honestly. <laughs> it was they it just seemed like they had a show planned out and there were a bunch of places in the show where they could have ended it and it would have been great. You know, like the final boss was beaten, everybody's happy, the universe is saved, blah, blah, blah. But then the next season, there's something else that comes up and something else that comes up. One cool thing about it, Pro, they had a gay character. Oh, so it wasn't baiting? Con, it was baiting. (laughs) They didn't show that he was gay until like the fifth season i think oh, at least so that was because their fans yelled at them no no they they were like no he's a gay, we have a gay character you'll see and the first thing we see about him being gay is him having a fight with his husband because he wants to go on one last mission even though he's sick and his husband's like if you go then don't bother coming back that's that's the last time he saw his husband until he finally gets i'm just going to spoil it until he gets back to earth and his husband's name is on the wall of the dead. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they don't tell you anything about the gay character, don't tell you anything, and then it's like, eh, his husband's dead. Yes. Jesus. And then at the end of the entire series, they have the slideshow, like, this is what happened to all the all the characters, and they show him getting married, to a guy that was part of the crew on the ship that he was on. They didn't show them interacting at all. (laughs) It's just randomly he got remarried. Cool. How very planned. Yeah. So for me, it started at A tier, and then throughout the seasons, it went down to C tier. Again, this this does not mean it is a bad show. And honestly, part of the reason why I still like it is because I have headcanon of of him and this other character getting together. But that's fine. But it's still it's still a good show. It still has a really great still has really great themes. So that's Voltron. (laughs) Voltron sounds frustrating. That's what I've heard from everybody who's watched it. It pleased nobody. The reactionary types hated it because there was a gay character and everybody was, and everybody was like the gay character was <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> the 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 thing the thing that the reason why everybody's so frustrated with it is because it started off like with five seasons of just incredible writing and incredible animation really funny characters really wholly formed characters and that's why the fan base was so vocal because it was just so good and then the last couple seasons something changed something happened or they didn't plan it or something and it just went it just fizzled it didn't just fall flat at face it just fizzled so damn i highly i do highly recommend watching it at least for the first few seasons and if you want to see the end of the story it's like bad it's like a it's like battlestar galactica excellent show horrible last season absolutely terrible i still recommend it to anybody yeah so that's that's voltron just stop yeah, watching just, it before just stop the end. Once, <laughs> once they beat the second final boss, just stop watching there. That's the full. That's the that's the story. That's all you need, um, and you'll be very happy. So, 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in deciding when yeah. you're done with a with mm-hmm. a thing. I do that a lot with yeah. shows. Like Scandal only had two seasons. <laughs> Didn't it last for like ten? Yeah, but it only had oh, two seasons. Cool. So. Okay. Anyways, we're going on to the legend of Korra. Yeah, now. we're gonna we're gonna end with a bang. The Legend of Korra is a super frustrating show with a super frustrating conversation that happens in the fan base around it because people who really like cartoons really don't understand a single fucking thing about how cartoons are made. Yes. Not even a little bit. Really nothing. So, do you want to outline The Legend of Korra while I'm trying to finish this game that I started while you were talking about Voltron? (laughs) (laughs) You just checked out and started playing the game. I will never watch Voltron. (laughs) So, Korra is the continuation of Avatar The Last Airbender. It's 90 years after Avatar. Avatar The Last Airbender is set basically kind of feudal japan like era in in that sort of technology but then they it's kind of weird but it was set in in a very historical like to us hundreds of years ago level society there are kingdoms there are it's steampunky well, yeah, Korra. Or, or, oh, you're I'm talking, about, talking Avatar about Avatar. Still. And then 90 okay. years later, because of the Industrial Revolution, exactly, like the, the different discoveries and bending, uh, pe- more people learning about lightning, which means they can use electricity. It becomes a uh, like a steampunk Industrial Revolution, kind of a 1920s kind of feel. Which is really great. So Korra is the avatar after Aang. She's a waterbender. And because uh, of what happened before, as soon as they figured out Korra was the avatar, they spirited her away to a secret location. She was raised in a basically in a monastery uh, with everybody training her, but keeping her away from the world because they didn't want anything bad to happen to her before she was she was a full avatar. She realizes that there's a larger world. She she escapes. Basically, she she uh, gets out of town. She goes to this place called Republic City, which is a city that was in the Earth Kingdom that was a Fire Nation territory. And after the war, they basically made it into a place where any anybody from any kingdom can go to live. And it would be controlled by a president and not a ruler they also have like a massive caste system (laughs) (laughs) yes a huge caste system which is one of the uh main points of the first season caste system good (laughs) no the the, i mean no (laughs) They they do go into the caste system uh in the in the latter seasons as well the thing is that benders are starting to be held more in esteem. Non-benders, not so much. And the non-benders can't really compare to the benders. Like, you can get the shit... Like, they literally wield the forces of nature yeah. against you. So, like, they can physically kick the shit out of yeah. you. Even if they're untrained. That's that's one thing that was kind of frustrating because in Avatar The Last Airbender, it showed that even if you were uh, a master bender, 
if you went up against someone that didn't have bending but also knew how to fight, you would get your ass kicked. I mean, that's the whole point of Jet. Mm-hmm. He could beat people that were good at bending because he was a fighter. Like, if you're a fighter, then you can beat someone. But in Korra, not as many people are trained in martial arts. But people with bending, that is an innate ability. That would be like me throwing a rock. A bender can throw fire. <laughs> so you don't have to be great at bending to actually lord over people. Mm-hmm. So that is the introduction to Korra. It takes a lot of twists and turns. Did you want to go into how cartoons are produced? Because I can, but... <laughs> yeah, so essentially Korra was supposed to be a one season, like a one season little, ad- like little add-on yeah. to the world so that people could just get a little taste of like what the world would be afterwards. Nickelodeon could get their big boy bucks and like we could move mm-hmm. on. People ended up kind of liking it, and so another season got funded. However, throughout the entirety of Korra's run, it was kind of always a question about if the show would continue to Mm -hmm. run. And as we've been talking about for two episodes now, that doesn't bold (laughs) so hot for storytelling. I think that this is like pretty instructive of the way that the first season of Korra goes. So essentially what you have is a bunch of benders and they are doing their damnedest to protect the status quo. So there's a rebel group in Republic City that is trying to essentially find benders and cut off their connection with the spirit realm so that they cannot bend anymore and the world can be more um, equal. I mean, that group is called the Equalists. They're literally just trying to level the playing field through pretty brutal mm-hmm. means. But they are trying to eliminate a legitimate caste system in the world of Republic City. The way that the story tells you that this is wrong is because Korra, you see, is the Avatar. And she is a walking billboard for the caste system. <laughs> she has a connection to the spirit realm, and this is good because it is natural. It is within the natural order that she rises above all other benders, and all benders kneel at her feet. And by extension, it is natural that those without any ability to bend would be beneath her and then beneath the people under her. They would be lowly serfs who... Serve up cabbages or some <laughs> shit, let's just say. <laughs> Even though the Cabbage Man, like, built a, apparently a, an empire, like a financial juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, he created a financial juggernaut. However, the point is that... Even though he created a financial juggernaut, there was always somebody bigger and badder with like more powers than him yeah. that could always come in there and take his shit. Particularly if they're a firebender, because firebending continues to be like the best kind. You don't need anything near you to fire. Yeah, bend. fire, fire and air. Fire and air are yeah. OP. <laughs> so. The first season has some fucking problems, and I'm pretty sure that if you're listening to what I'm saying, you're finding them right now. The equalizers are, in a word, correct. The caste system is wrong, and not interrogating it is wrong. 
The show doesn't really have any justification for the way that the world is and that being a good thing other than look how violent the equalizers are. Oh my God. <laughs> also, this is the natural order. It's correct to have it like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will. I mean, Cora the right. equalizers, the way that they're taking away bending is pretty brutal. And it's like, yeah. it, and bending is an innate part of people. So it's kind of like cutting off someone's hand. Yeah. Because most people only have one hand. So if you have yeah. two hands, then I'm going to cut one off. And now you only have one. Oh, so in another show, Beastars, there's a world where carnivorous animals and herbivores live in the same world. And they're kind of all like humanoid, but they're to scale. So bears, for instance, are a class of character in this world of Beastars that have to be medicated to lower their aggression, their prey drive, and generally make them smaller. They, It's government-mandated pills to make them less muscular. It's actually a pretty big deal. Wow. I missed that part. Uh, that is in the man. Oh, okay. I only watched the show. Yeah, so that's like shortly after the show ends, but still, it's a thing where bears and other carnivores are kind of physically altered in ways so that they are less threatening to the herbivores in the society. Right. This is both, this is morally sticky because you see, you don't want a full-sized bear sharing an office with a gazelle if the gazelle has nowhere to go. But at the same time, you're taking something innate about the bear and you're medicating it out of them. And there are some pretty horrific side effects of the medication. But that's going too far into the other thing. (laughs) The point is that these are two shows where, like, are they right or are they wrong? Well, in Beastars, it's a little bit more sticky because it's kind of... Carnivores don't rule over the herbivores in that universe. However, benders in Republic City literally do rule over the non-benders and relegate them to a certain second-class status. As a leftist, I am kind of morally obligated not to look (laughs) down on the equalist too much. Right. Because fundamentally, that is an unjust hierarchy because on the other side of things, not being able to bend is also an innate yes. trait. There is no way to give everybody the ability to bend, but there is a way to take it away from those who use it to relegate others to a lower class in society. Do the means justify the end? I don't know, and I'm not really feel I don't really feel like that's something that I want to parse, but the first season of Korra didn't do a good job of talking about that. Their reasoning really did boil down to, well, this is the natural order, therefore it's good. Like you said, it was supposed to be a an eight and it was supposed to be an eight episode miniseries that Nickelodeon was like, we need money. Can we just give give Frank some money? And they they were like, I guess. And so the first season, it was messy, but it was also just supposed to be a small thing. But then it went on to the second season. Yeah, it was supposed to be eight episodes. And during pre-production, Nick put it up to like 10 and then 12. And then they said, can you make a second season? They had no plans for a second season. So they had to scramble, which means the second season is, I think, 
not as good as the first season. The second season had more justifying mm-hmm. to do, and it had absolutely no basis for it. Exactly. Because the first season did not set down what it would need to in order to set up it's wrong to do this to Bender's because that question never really gets answered. But that's why it sinks down to B tier, but, and other things too, but the third and fourth season, they actually contract to do both of those, which is why those are incredible. Yeah. Really well written. You can talk. Yeah. Which raises it from C tier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that is special about Korra is that it's one of the first times in a cartoon, or maybe the first time where, like, the lesbians get to kiss on screen. And that was a really special moment because it kind of opened a new world for cartoons up. That's what allowed Steven Universe and Adventure Time to be a little bit more overtly gay. And that was a really good thing. Also, because of S&P and because of various standards of children's writing at the time, the way that they had to make Korra and Asami seem like a couple were really fucking subtle throughout the third and fourth season. There were some letters, there were some tender looks, but nothing super overt. But to me, it felt like something that was being built towards in a very subtle and deliberate way, which marks not only just a gay relationship on tv it also marks cora and asami are both bisexual Mm -hmm. they are not lesbians they're bisexual they do buy stuff all throughout the show and it doesn't really invalidate that heterosexual activity that they get together at the end of it that's right they're just some cool kids that like like it both ways (laughs) 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 so many brown people just so many. So many brown just people, Just like too. A, Avatar is just filled with brown people, which is really great. One thing I really, really liked is that Korra is relentless. She is who she is. Mm-hmm. She can be stubborn. She can be ox-headed. She can be obstinate. But she can learn, and she cares. But that's who she is as a person. And yeah. a lot of people that went from Avatar to Korra. And I remember being on some forums and people were just like super being misogynistic about it. It's like, oh, she's being a being a bitch. She's blah, 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 blah. And it was just really crazy because in the in the story, this person has been hidden away from society for her entire life. Like ever since she was like six, she's been waited on hand and foot. She's been given everything that she needs to have a good life. And she's a spoiled brat. She's a spoiled brat. And throughout the series, she actually struggles with that and moves to a place where she can actually be vulnerable in her way. But she she never gives up that kind of jock mentality. <laughs> like, she's very physical. Yeah. She's, she likes to brute fo- She's like, a bull in a china shop. Yeah. was kind of, yeah. Aang was kind of a trickster. He did not like using physical force, which is why learning firebending was so difficult mm-hmm. for him. Korra learned firebending without a problem, but airbending was difficult because it requires an ounce of, like, cleverness, which is not something that was and her spirituality. Like, that is a major yeah. part of airbending, being able to be spiritual. That's uh, Airbending is something that's very connected to the spirit world. So having that sense of weightlessness 
airbending, yeah. um, was incredibly hard for her. She was like a she was like a rock. So learning how to do yeah. that through the first season and through the, the next seasons were very, very cool. One of my favorite things about Korra that keeps it in B tier and doesn't necessarily nudge it up to A tier, but yeah. definitely keeps high it out B. of C tier. High B. Um, high B. Was the ending for Korra. Mm. I know a lot of people fucking hate it because it was anticlimactic or some what? shit. However, yeah. So the last episode of Korra kind of goes she gets into the situation where she kind of has an opportunity to like punch a spirit or try and figure out a way that things can coexist. There is a level of, of like a choice between being a bull in a China shop and choosing the forceful option in terms of battling the powers that be the spirit world, the human world, just fighting people, or there's an opportunity to take a more spiritual route. In the last episode of Korra, she chooses the latter option. That's right. And this is a choice that has been criticized endlessly on the internet because the last episode isn't super action-packed. There isn't the epic fight scene that exists in the last episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. It ends not with a bang, but with a whisper. I think that this is incredibly fitting for this show. Definitely. And for the personal journey that Korra takes throughout the several seasons of the show. And I like it. Yeah. I mean, she started as this heavyweight, this cannonball, and then she ends up in a place where she's she's the avatar. She's bringing balance. And it, it, that is that is a, like I honestly I didn't really think about that in that way so uh, thank you for that that's really great you are very welcome but i really like that about it and though it's been questioned endlessly it's one of the things that i like the most about it is that the the ending and the way that things play out worked directly into the way that her character did in the same way that it did in avatar the last airbender now was cora as a well realized character as ang in many ways no because she was kind of cobbled together over the course of four seasons yeah. with very little <laughs> interconnected tissue. But at the same time, for what it was, it was good. Yeah. And I really like Korra. And um, I really wish that more shows were given a budget, said, like, come up with a story. You had this many seasons and that's how it worked. Unless things went terribly wrong and they needed to, like, change that's course. Right. Because I think that we'd get better shows with more longevity one of the major things that just over overall with the cartoons that we've been talking about is one like you said the better ones have set stories they know where they're going they know where they're going to end uh and it really elevates them and the other thing is that not every cartoon is perfect not every cartoon yeah. is going to be she-ra or avatar the last airbender some of them are dragon prince but that's okay. Dragon Prince is a good show. It's not okay to be. It's it's Dragon okay. It's, it's not great to be Dragon Prince. It's okay. It's not it's not a terrible show. Yeah, you yeah, can watch it. it um, we're all in quarantine. We need a lot yeah, of media. There's there are so many shows that are good that aren't perfect that people just skip over. And uh, like I said, Voltron, it can be frustrating for for some people or it can be great it depends try these things out and a lot of tv especially in the past few years 
they plan out seasons ahead instead of writing episode to episode. So try out the first arc of a show, like a few episodes. You got the time, but you shouldn't expect every piece of art to be perfect in the way that you want it to be, because some sometimes you'll miss a great message if you're just looking for something that uh, is amazing. Yeah. Also, there's a reason why fans sometimes when fans write shows, they end up trash because mm. they do not want to do anything that people wouldn't love 100 percent yeah. of the time. There's a reason why a lot of video games made by video game enthusiasts who want to make a game for discerning video game enthusiasts make games that are kind of. Eh. It's because they're writing to please an audience and they really don't have any sort of artistic drive or design philosophy other than to give the people what they want. And while that's good, something like Korra that did not give a lot of people what they wanted has more integrity as a show on its own because of that decision. Having a an artistic vision, having someone at the helm that has this this story that they want to tell, not just because it's a property that they really like, but because they want to use that iconography and those old stories to tell something new that I'm referring to Shira, mm -hmm. or they want to build something like Avatar whole cloth and commit to that. And if I, one last thing about Avatar, they came up with their pitch on the way to the executive's office. How crazy is that? Damn. Yeah, they they uh they got together and they they both worked on other popular cartoons. And Nick said, "Well, why don't you guys?" And they like and they knew each other, so why don't you guys uh come up with something and we'll and pitch it? They're like, "What are we gonna do?" And it was like that day that they came up with this, and they're like, "Yeah, Avatar: The Last Airbender," and then and then it became Avatar, and they just yeah. went hole into it they were just this is what we're doing we have three seasons let's develop this let's make it make it our own and make it so we think that everybody will like it but make it that in a way that we will like it and i think that's the yeah that is a great thing so if you're an artist if you are uh want to get into tv or movies or whatever have a philosophy of making something good not making something for people because if you make something unless you want to break yeah. in <laughs> if you make something just for people then you get like a movie like predator or something yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a place there's a place for yeah. that too but it doesn't necessarily mean a position of yeah greatness. it just means this was fun and that's you know yeah whatever and that's also yeah. fine so um also uh, we were gonna put B stars at like double S tier, I think. Yeah, double S. Um, <laughs> B stars is a great show. If you watch it, you're a furry. Don't make the rules. Yeah, I turned into a furry. I didn't know. Yeah, same, huh. same here. Um, wasn't planning on it. Wasn't a decision I was going to make. However, that show yep. was great. Just the weirdest fucking political beats that you'll ever see and. <sighs> in anything right. strangest world ever Not for kids 
not, not for, kids. for kids. And also, if you relate fucking Beastars to Zootopia in any way other than to say Beastars is better and more well thought out than Zootopia, I will find you. <laughs> And with that, I think we'll end the show. I think that's the best way to end the show. Nicole, just threatening you, the listener, if you have an opinion that she doesn't like. I will find you. you. (laughs) So thanks so much for listening to I Shouldn't Have to Say This. We do our episodes every two weeks, basically the second and fourth Tuesday of every month you can expect an episode go to saythiscast.com and you'll be able to find all of our past episodes this is 20 this is episode 20 I believe which is wild and we have no plans in stopping Mm -hmm. so if you've been with us since the beginning thank you so much for your support if you want to support the show and there is a multitude of ways you can go to ko-fi.com slash say this cast coffee buys a coffee just a one-time thing if you want to go to patreon.com slash say this cast then you can become a patron we have a bunch of ideas for um patron specific or patron only podcasts and shows if you have any ideas or anything then please let us know uh and if you are a patron you can submit ideas for shows that we will that we can do in the future so that is i will consider that if we will consider very strongly exactly we have artistic integrity i'm not above being bought though (laughs) our goal right now is getting nicole mic stand I really need a mic fan. This box is starting to degrade. Oh slightly. no! <laughs> so uh, let's let's help. Let's get Nicole mic stand. Um, if we uh, can get some some more patrons, then we have a bunch of uh, overall goals that we can that we're trying to get to. So anyway, Patreon.com/slash Say This Cast. And Nicole, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Jack of Three Trades. That is three as in the number. And you can find me online at Press Start Lock on Twitter. And on Twitch, I do a political chat every Tuesday at 10 p.m. and every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's a good time. It is. I, I really and like it. I'm not it. just saying that I roast him for nothing. It's true. It's true. <laughs> if you like the music that we play on the show you can go to store.mustinenterprises.com that's m-u-s-t-i-n he is a great musician has uh, a great band called the one-ups and he lets us use all of his music during the show including our theme song so store.mustinenterprises.com i shouldn't have to say this is a member of the planet side podcast network you can find more about that at planetsidepodcasts.com Hey, Mom. I'm recording. Take the dog. (laughs) I appreciate that, Mom. Thank you. Take the dog. She's the worst. I love her. Um, Take the dog. She's the worst. I love her. I do. That's That's just your whole relationship with Nora, isn't it? It is. I hate her. I love her. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>